0: Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message.
1: For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. Greetings. So good to see you guys here today. And uh, the fog didn't deter anybody from getting out here, right? Um, So today um, we're in the midst of a series um, that Pastor Greg started or restarted um, this last week regarding uh, the fourth chapter of John. So first of all, if, if you're interested in a Bible, if you'd like one, um, we're, we're using the New Living Translation, just to let you know, in case you have a device, uh, and we'll be in chapter uh, four of John. If you have one of these books, and it's actually on page 908, so you get, a, you get to cheat um, but um, as we start, I'd like uh, for Leslie to come up and read our scripture today. Leslie um, joined us after traveling 1,500 miles uh, to regain our fellowship. <laughs> and let's get you this guy, I think. Good
0: morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all. <laughs> Acts four thirteen through 22. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other, We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years.
1: Awesome, thank you. So as, as far as I see scripture saying is that uh, God's people should always be in the center of a riot. So that's, that's how I'm interpreting Hey, so um, it's sort of unfair if you if you're new or newer with us. It's sort of unfair to t- to teach systematically where we're we're right in the midst of uh, Acts chapter four, and so I want to give a little bit of a recap because the story actually started a chapter and a half earlier. So it's really unfair if if you're just coming through the doors. So let me just tell you a recap of the story. Right, this is for my benefit and yours. Um, so Peter and John, two of the disciples, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit came, we you know in, in um, Acts chapter 2. So in chapter 3, Peter and John go to pray, right? They, they just went to pray as, as they'd been cu- accustomed to do, and they, uh, they met a 40-year-old man who had been lame f- from birth. And the guy was begging for money, which was the typical thing to do. If, if you were disabled, you would sit or be placed in a position where people coming to worship would give money. It was a customary thing to do. It was something that was done throughout their lives. Um, Peter and John were prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell this man, because he was looking for money, he said, I, I don't have any money, but... But in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, I want you to rise and walk. And then the man responded and was helped up, and, and he was healed. Um, the miracle drew an incredible crowd, and it, it gave opportunity for Peter and John to preach that, that, that faith in Jesus Christ would heal them and forgive people of their sins. And in fact, the the quote was, repent from your sins, turn to God, that your sins might be wiped away. That was what their message was. Peter and John got arrested because they were teaching about a resurrection from the dead. And there were some of the Jewish leaders that really were tweaked at that a little bit. And at that point, there were about 5,000 men who had, had believed on the message of Jesus. So all of a sudden, there, the dynamics inside of the culture shifted, right? The 5,000 people in that city was not insignificant, which means it impacted them, Right? and then uh, rulers and the elders of Israel, the Sanhedrin, got together, and they asked Peter, by whose power or what power are you doing did this miracle uh, occur? And he said, he, they, they, Peter responded, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So Peter is just telling what he saw, what he uh, what happened to him. He's not embellishing anything. He said, you, you want to know what happened? I'll tell you what, what's going on. So that's the storyline. That's that's the foundation. And last week, so I was teaching in Sunday school, and so I didn't watch the, the message last week until last night, because <laughs> I figured I better find out what Pastor Greg taught last week. So I want to tell you, just again to catch up, these are some highlights of what he said last week. He said... When you present the gospel, and and how many people know that if you believe in Jesus, everything you do presents the gospel? You may not be good at it. In fact, you may have good days and bad days. But if you have a, a personal relationship with Jesus and, and he is in your life, then everything you do is a demonstration. You are a walking billboard of what Jesus is doing in your life, whether it's successful or not successful, whether it's a good day or bad day, you still are a, represent, a representative of his. Is that fair? Amen. It's, it's like a couple of weeks ago I talked about if you're a child of the Most High God, it doesn't mean you're always doing good things. You're still a child of God. And as a child of God, you represent the Father. Right? So here's some things that he said. He said, if you are presenting the gospel, expect conflict, which means we should not expect that people are just going to go, oh, I'm so glad that you're a Christian. Thank you for telling me more. That would be a disappointment, potentially. He said that no one can arrest the gospel Right? So Peter and John were arrested. He said, the gospel, again, the resurrection of the dead through Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of the world. The message saves people, not the messenger. And then he, he pastor, you know, he, he, then he made things uncomfortable, as he is apt to do. He said, someone has to love me enough to tell me that Jesus's blood is on my hands. This is not something that we go, hey, uh, let me introduce you to uh, Christian faith. You are personally responsible for the death of Jesus. Oh, no, I thought that was the Jews 2,000 years ago. Maybe the, the Romans, or maybe you know, the, the leadership. Or, but do, do you know that why you are responsible? Because my unbelief, my lack of belief in Jesus is rebellion, and that is putting my assent to his death. Right? The sin that separates me from God is unbelief, and that is agreeing with the enemy that Jesus should be dead. So I agreed with the death of Jesus by my unbelief. Does that make sense? Okay. We'll quiz you later. Um, so, and then, and then he goes on, he says, there is, there is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. And then he closed up with, our enemy is, not, is, is Satan, not Caesar. Okay, so that's a recap, and I, hopefully that brings us up a little bit. We'll be talking about that to some degree, but our scripture um, starts, I want to start reading in, in, again, page 908, if you want to follow along, and then I'm going to insert scriptures that are going to be on the um, screen. Let's see what we got here. All right, so I called this Silencing the Accuser and Preaching the Gospel. That's what I want to talk about today. All right, so I already did all that stuff. So I already did that without, okay. So Satan is our accuser. So um, I'm, I'm going to read again on page 908. Um, this is from Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Now, I want to tell you. The verse, chapter, verse 13, Pastor Greg is going to teach on next week, but I, I at least need to read it. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's, a, that's going to be a powerful message next week. Um, but, verse 14, but since they could see uh, the man who had been healed, standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Now, so the, the the scenario is they're they've been arrested, and the council of the Sanhedrin of seventy of the most influential people of of Israel are bringing them into a, ju- a judgment situation, and they don't have anything to say. It is an amazing thing that we can stand before the accusers and they don't have anything to say. And I want to speak to us about the fact that in, in our world, there's a lot of accusers. There's people that aren't going to agree with you. They'll post something on this and say this about you. That's going to happen. Those, the people disagreeing with you are going to be there. But in this scenario, Peter and John are standing in front of a group of 70 people and they don't have a word to say. And the the question is, why? Why was there not a response? The scripture said, because the guy that was healed stood right with them. So we have to look at it in our walk with God about who is our accuser. And the first statement is, Satan is our accuser, Revelation twelve ten and 11. I have this scripture on the, uh, on the screen here. It says, then I, this is Revelation 12, 10, and 11. It says, then I heard a, a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren and sisters, he has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So the issue is you may have people around you, physical people who don't agree with you, but the real accuser and the source of every accusation is spiritually centered. Satan is the accuser of each of us if we put our faith in Jesus. So the question is, how? The why is pretty simple. Why do you think the enemy, Satan, wants to accuse me? And and the question is, or the answer, I think, is he wants me to stop being effective in my faith. If you look at what his goal is, the scheme of the enemy, is he wants me to stop being an annoyance to Him. He wants me to stop being an effective witness of what God's done in my life. Verse 11 says, and they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the testimony, by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as they were able, uh, that they were afraid to die. So here's the thing, ready? How do we overcome the accuser? How do we stop the accuser? Two things, your testimony. or first of all, the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb and your testimony are the two things God has equipped you to refute and to stop the schemes of the enemy. What is the blood of the Lamb reference? It means, I believe, this is the gospel message, I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ takes away my sin and guilt. Amen. I put my faith in that. And in that, that's my testimony. My testimony is, I don't stand in my own righteousness, but I put my faith in God to redeem me, to reconcile me to the Father. Amen. Our faith is in the blood of Jesus Christ, and our testimony is that. But the idea is what? What? Does that shut the enemy up? So here's the thing. How did Satan accuse Peter and John? Well, last week, Pastor Greg said, you know, there, there were these temple guards and they arrested him. And I want to submit to you, yes, there were pressures immediately on Peter and John, but I want to submit to you, in normal life, our accusation starts much earlier. It starts with your identity. Who are, you to, who are you to tell the lame man to rise and walk? What makes you the person that can do that? Who are you to tell others that they're responsible for killing Jesus? Who are you to tell people to repent and turn back to God? Who are you to speak so bluntly to the Sanhedrin? Who do you think you are? Now, I'm just saying this as a confession. Those thoughts are in my head sometimes. I know I'm that guy. Who are you? See, the scheme of the enemy is to stop me from before I even start. See, while there were the the guards, while there there were the uh, palace guards, they were there. But the the goal of the enemy is to keep me off the field at all. Now, you might be saying, you know, some people are better at talking. Some people are better at communicating. Absolutely. But you know what that that is true? Uh, Well, I'll I'll go to the next part. It's, It's right there. It says... This is why we can do... Who, who said that you could do it? Well, Jesus said it in Matthew 28. He said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the, the, the commands I have, been given, I have given you and be sure and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What makes me the guy that can do that? Because I was commissioned to do it. See, I don't have the ability or the power or the chops to tell anybody to rise up and walk. I don't have that special sense that that says you are responsible for the death of Jesus. Except Jesus said to his disciples, go and do that. He's the one that says, all authority has been given to me and I anoint you, I I appoint you to be ambassadors of that message. So why Why can you? Because Jesus said to do it. Now, some of you are very uncomfortable right now. Like, "Uh, I don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm really not good at that. Maybe I'll just bring them to church and Dennis can talk to them. Like that's never happened before. But another thing that the enemy does, the first thing the enemy talks about is you're not able, your identity is such that who are you? And, and so our identity is found in the commission that Jesus gave us to do it. We have been called to do that. But the enemy also works on fear. What if? What if I say the wrong words? What if I get confused? What if I get out, outmatched because they're smarter? What if I feel intimidated? Does this ring bells to anybody? boy somebody else is much better at doing this than me the the secret is this ready you are the only one that can stand and speak your own testimony my testimony my personal experience is something I don't need to rehearse I don't need to go oh look at what happened to me 50 years ago because I know what happened to me 50 years ago. And the same thing, that, that, that event that happened 50 years ago is fresh in my mind. Right? I don't have to be taken off guard. I, I don't have to say something that's not true. I don't have to make something up. I don't have to be clever. And sometimes we get this impression that I have to have this, this manicured message I have to have everything, every word right. And that is total baloney. Baloney. (laughs) Sometimes we've been told or we we see people who are really good and and eloquent and and you see them in in front of crowds or maybe even one-on-one. But your message is critical for the people God puts you around. See, part of the thing that I look at is, well, let's, again, let's move on. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. See, I don't need to have a message that is large and developed The only message that matters is that there is a Jesus that died for sinners. That was sent by the Father to reconcile people to Himself and He was crucified for your benefit. That is the only thing you really need to say. And you say, well, what if they don't agree with it? That's not your problem. But... Pastor Greg last week said, man, we we live in a culture that's all about comfort. We we all want the answers before we have to, (laughs) before the questions asked even. I remember years ago, I was a young Christian and I I probably shared this before, but I I was going back in the day when I was going to American River College and I remember as a young Christian, I go, Lord, I I just want to be available to tell people about you. And, And in my in experience, I said, Lord, show me. Lead me to who I can talk to, because what do I want? I, I want to be effective in bringing the gospel to people. Do you know what I thought he told me? They all need it. See, I wanted a sure thing. I wanted to go and go, Ching, ch-ching, ch-ching. I wanted uh, every every slot machine to win. I, I wanted it to be like, hey, let's make it effective. And you know what God told me? It's they all need to hear. They all need to hear the message. See, I can't control that. But I was trying. So how do we silence the accuser? and they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. My testimony is my faith that Jesus' sacrifice removes my sin, reconciles me with the Father, and reserves a place with Jesus for eternity. That's my testimony. But here's the other thing that we see in this, this event, is that Peter and John were given an opportunity to present the gospel. I, I love this story in, about the, the lame man. The re, one thing that I really love is that he was 40 years old, and he'd been in this place called the Beautiful Gate, which means people would go in and they would, they would see him on the, the road. One thing that most commentators believe, and I believe it fully, is that Jesus saw this guy. When Jesus walked, he probably passed this guy plenty of times. This guy was a known character, known person. People people knew him. And you look and go, well, if Jesus walked by him, why didn't Jesus heal him? How many people think that that's an important question? How many people think that Jesus is obligated to heal everyone that has a need. Wow, that might just... This guy's 40. Jesus was in his 30s. Jesus passed this guy. Because Jesus went to the temple by Jewish law at least three times a year. He passed this guy. And he left this needy person for Peter and John. See, sometimes we don't understand why God does things in different time frames. Why why didn't God just take care of it immediately? And and I can't pretend to know the, the heart and mind of God here either. I look at this as low hanging fruit. That Peter and John came and something in them, the Holy Spirit prompted them to speak these words over this man. But Jesus didn't heal him, and I think because he left them for Peter and John. God provides opportunities for us to present the gospel. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases Him. Listen to that. God is working in you to do what God wants you to do so you can please Him. What do you think pleases Him? Oh, go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. Overcome the enemy with the blood of the Lamb and your testimony. See, part of the way that we please God is by being His kids in this world. We're not not guaranteed sure, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, as it were. We're not not assured that every time I speak the word, people are going to fall on their face and come to Jesus. But sometimes... One of the things Pastor Rhodes back in the day said is that each one of us have our own pond to fish in, which means there are certain people that you can talk to that would not talk to me. I, I, I'm going to pick on Crystal. Crystal uh, is, is someone who takes care of animals, does, does grooming for animals. And I told her, do you realize there are certain people that put the love of their life into your hands that would never talk to me? Do you realize the trust they put in Crystal? Here, here's Fluffy. (laughs) She is in an incredible position that most of us may never actually be in. Seriously. Second Corinthians two fourteen through sixteen says, But thank, but thank God. He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal pr- procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. This is God's will for you. God didn't save you. God didn't speak words of life into you. God didn't breathe his spirit into you and restore you to life so that you could just be a monument. You are like that guy with the sandwich board walking down the street. You're advertising. You're active. You're you're designed to be impacting everyone around you. Well, what does that mean? Well, you're supposed to be that's... You're supposed to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere, like a sweet perfume. Doesn't that sound good? How many people want to be a sweet perfume? But, but that's not the end of the story, is that right? The rest of it goes, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. That's awesome. But, excuse my language... This fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. We don't like that part, but the truth is, ready? Some people are going to see your life and go, wow, man, that's awesome to see your life change, to see what God is doing in your life. That's fantastic. Applaud, applaud. Tell me more. But there's some people, if you say, this is what God's doing in my life, they're going to say, you stink. Don't talk to me anymore. Here's the problem that some Christians have. We look at people that go, ugh. And we think we're supposed to write them off. Like, oh, I guess I can't talk to that person about who I am in Jesus. Can I tell you, I used to be that guy. See, I, I truly believe that it's not my job to worry about whether somebody is going to be positively attracted or negatively repulsed by me. Now, listen, that doesn't mean I'd just be a jerk to, to, to push them away. But in my, in my walk with God, in my re- relationship with God, and how I represent the gospel, it is not my job to figure that out. But what is interesting is this, right? Anyone who says, wow, there's something about you I'd like to talk about, those are the ones that you tell them about Jesus. So you look and go, well, how do I know who I should talk to? Well, the people who talk back would be good. It's almost like anybody that isn't repulsed by you, you should be saying, let's talk more. Right? Right? Because God has set you up to be that ambassador of the gospel. Even if you don't think you're very good at it. Because your testimony is specifically designed for someone. He goes on, to those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death. Oh, gosh. And, and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task? See, here, I, love, I love that little add-on. How many people are adequate to the task of being a, a pure representat- a re- representative of God? How many of you are true ambassadors? How many pe- people are qualified and the answer is, none of you are qualified. You didn't bring in credentials. There used to be a phrase that says, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. There's a truth to that. See, who is able to really be good at representing Jesus, and the answer is no. Nobody's very good at that. It's only because God is doing stuff in me that makes it appealing to anybody. Who is adequate? Not me, man. Your relationship with God and sharing the gospel does not depend on your strengths and talents. First Corinthians one twenty-seven says, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Can, can we just agree? Can we agree that, that we are on the, the side of being foolish and powerless? That, that what we bring to the table is foolish and powerless? The, the, the sooner I really get a hold of the fact that God is the only source of power in my life that makes any difference, when, when I get that, everything changes. I don't deserve to be up here today. <sighs> Just because I, I, I'm not afraid of you doesn't mean I should be up here. But God can put something in my heart. He, he can put a message that might inspire you. That's what I'm trusting today. Amen. But I, it's not my, my being clever that you care about. I, I'm not liking, looking to say words for, to inspire you that are Dennis centered That'll die. You don't want that. You can't save anyone. not up to you. John chapter 6, four, verse 44 says, for no one can come to, the, come to me. Jesus is saying, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. The beautiful thing is this. I'm not responsible for a person's reaction. I am responsible for what I present. How many people can agree that sometimes you're not a great example of who Jesus is. <laughs> Only you are brave enough, right? We're, we're not always good examples, but I, I want to encourage us that God puts us in, gives us opportunities to represent him every day if we have our heart, our mind and our hearts open for that. And it may be your family, it, it may be an encouraging word to your children or your parents. What opportunity has God given you? First Peter 3.15 says, Instead, you, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Oh, but but that that takes that takes spontaneity out of it. Uh, I put you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I love that phrase. When fifty years ago, when someone first talked to me about Jesus, and I told them that I was raised Catholic and this is my perspective, this is what I knew. He, he had scriptures for some reason that unlocked my mind. I I don't know how he was prepared but everything he said hit exactly me. It was, it was like he had the key that unlocked my resistance. I believe in the Spirit leading. I really do. But I also believe that he was prepared. And some of us are lazy. Some of us says that's somebody else's job. And it isn't. So I just want to challenge us today that the Word of God is active and alive in your life and it's designed to make you the best example, Christ-like example, so that others around this world, the people that you're attached to, see something that says, let's talk about this. Because nobody will come and, and give their life to Jesus unless they hear the message. And the responsibility to speak the message is on you as believers in Christ. I think that's all I have. Oh, no. One more. Oh, that is that's it. Good. So here's here's the thing, as as we close and as I pray for you, listen it. I don't know where everybody here is in the relationship with God. If, if you're in a place where you want to know more about who Jesus is, seriously, talk to Kevin. He, he knows... No, I'm no, no, it's just me being with Kevin. But, but seek, seek out. Talk to me. Talk to... There's plenty of us that have been around and know the gospel. Right? ask the questions you know this is a this is a day to make a decision this is a day to to walk away from sin and guilt and debt and walk into a, a freedom of life there's a reason why people get excited i get excited about the gospel because i remember what god did to my life and what he continues to do in my life amen, amen. let's pray heavenly father i thank you for each one here i thank you that your word is true. I thank you that uh, you bring us from darkness into light. And I pray that you administer to the deep needs of each one here. Lord, challenge us to be your ambassadors. And I pray your grace upon each one here in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. 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 Blessings to you guys.